You know, there's a lot of things that you can spill and be able to, re, you know, collect back. You can, you can spill water and, and collect a lot of that. You can spill milk and be able to collect that. You can spill a package of M&Ms and after they're done bouncing around the place, you can pick those back up. But you can't ever take back words you said. You can apologize, but once you've let out words, you just really can't take them back. And it's important as people who are followers of God to really choose to speak wisely. There, there's a clip you saw that you know, it said, how many words does it take to tear somebody down? And the, the answer was what? One. One word can tear somebody down. You know, here's, here's an interesting fact. You can tell somebody 10 nice things, 10 great things, say one negative thing, and it completely overrides the 10 words that you said that was good. You can tear every single thing that you've ever done down by simply uttering the wrong words. And I just want to talk about that tonight because as you guys interact with each other, you interact with people outside of the church, uh, most of you that are Christians here are representatives of God. You have a lot right on what you say. It, it's what you say and it's what you do that people pay attention to. And so it's important that you're good with your words. Proverbs thirteen three says this, The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips. Now, just because it says his doesn't mean girls, you're out of it. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs ten nineteen says this, don't talk so much. You keep putting your foot in your mouth, be sensible and turn off the flow. Many times we're quick to speak. We're quick to say something and I'm just as guilty. Something comes up, we say it. But remember, because you say it, you can't take it back and you can't collect it. So let, let's just jump right into this because our time is short now. Here's indications of poor mouth management. What does that mean? It means you have the ability to really speak poorly. And I don't really mean grammar, and I'm the master of that. What I mean is the ability to really say the wrong things. Okay, and here's some, some things that you look at. I've got it on the screen, and it's on here, tongue trouble. The, the trouble that you may have with your tongue, there's different levels of troubles. The results of that and how you could be better at that. And the first one is this, rudeness. Rudeness. And the result from rudeness is damages and confidence. Now, let's look at it really quick. What does it mean to be rude? Being smart-like, being condescending. And what happens is you talk down to somebody. It's like you treat somebody like they don't know nothing. You, you treat somebody like you're more superior than them. And you're constantly picking at them. What happens when you're rude with your tongue is you lose that person's confidence. You lose respect from them to you. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, a kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What's the better use of your tongue in this situation instead of being rude? Maybe you need to practice kindness. Y'all know what it means to be kind? If somebody walks up and and they're just wearing like this totally awful outfit like I do a lot of times. You know, instead of saying, you know, that, that shirt is just totally hideous on you. <laughs> you know what's wrong with that? It may be complete truth what you're telling that person, but it's how you say it. What would be better in that situation? Being kind could be this, not really magnifying what's wrong, minimizing what's wrong and magnifying what's good. So the person may not be very conscious about fashion like myself.
instead of magnifying the negativity in your words, maybe you magnify the positive. So maybe the person isn't as sharp as a dresser as you think they should be. I bet there's something that you could speak kindly to them. There's some kind words that you could share with them. That's the first tongue trouble. Second one is lying. I think there's people that have PhDs in lying. You ask them a question and all of a sudden it just flies out of their mouth. Why, why does people lie? Keep themselves out of the trouble? Because they're scared of the truth. People lie for various reasons. One, they don't want to look bad. They don't want people to think differently of them. How many of you guys know people who you really are not sure if they're telling you a lie or the truth most of the time they're talking? See, that's the problem with lying is the result is this. It damages trust. And most of you guys know people that, that's that way. You, you might like them, but you have a hard time believing them because they spend so much time not being truthful that even when they are truthful, you're like, can I believe it? Can I really believe what you're saying? So it damages trust. Proverbs twelve twenty two says this, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. First Peter three ten says, If you want a happy, good life, keep control of your tongue and guard your lips from telling lies. Brad and I was just talking about this today. People who do the wrong thing but are quick to own up to it. What I mean by that is they're they're willing to say, you know what, I did that and I know it was wrong. It goes a long way with me than people who do the wrong thing and pretend to do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and I know that if that's that way with me, it's that way with your parents. It's that way with the authorities in your life. If you do something wrong and you own up to it and say, yes, the truth of the matter is, it doesn't mean you're not going to get consequences. It doesn't mean you're not going to get in trouble. But here's the thing. The consequences won't be nearly as severe, and the whole trust issue is still there. Why? Because the person can at least look at you as being truthful than being a person who lies to cover up their problems. So the, the better use of your tongue is telling the truth. Now here, here's the second thing. People who lie are immature. Maybe you need to write that down. People who lie are immature. Here's the reason why. Maturity is responsibility. A mature person is a person who can take responsibility for their actions. If you have to cover up what you're doing, if you have to to make up a story to cover for what you did, then you're not old enough to do it. Did you catch that? If you have to make an excuse or cover or lie for what you've done, you are not old enough to be doing what you're doing to cover up. And that goes for me. That goes for the adults in the back of the room. Maturity is taking responsibility for what you did. Let Let me give you an illustration of an immature action of an adult. Way back when God created the heavens and the earth and he created a garden, he put man and woman in the garden. And God said, you may do and eat anything you want except one thing. Did you catch that? You may do or eat anything you want, but one thing. Do not eat from the tree in the center of the garden. Eve is tricked, does what she wants to do. She eats the food, hands it to her husband. He eats along. They have a feast and then all of a sudden they start lying. They hide from God. They avoid the issue. God says, what did you do? Now, here, here's, here's the kicker. The, the responsibility, instead of being taken it upon themselves, Eve blamed Satan. Adam blamed God. He said, no, wait a minute. Adam blamed Eve. No, he didn't. He blamed God. 
If you look at it, he says, God, the woman you gave me. So he gave blame to somebody else. Responsibility is this. Responsibility is the ability to take account for your actions. What does that mean? If your mom and dad told you, do not have friends over at your house on Friday night when they're out of town, and you did, and you come, they come home, and they say, you had a party, or you had friends at your house when we told you not to, responsibility is this. Well, the first thing was not to, but responsibility is taking, you know, taking account for your actions. Yes, mom and dad, I did. It was wrong. That's responsibility, and that's a sign of maturity. So a, a lying person is a person that's not very mature. Number three, gossip. Nobody's guilty of that here, right? Gossip. What's wrong with gossip? For many things, it's lying. Can be. What if it's the truth? What if I actually saw Becca at the mall with a young man in the photo booth doing something they weren't supposed to? What if I saw that? Which it's not true, by the way. I have, not, I have seen Becca at the mall, but never in a photo booth with a young man. And I call up Chad. I say, Chad, man, guess what? I saw Becca at the mall with a boy in the photo booth taking pictures of things they weren't supposed to be doing. Chad goes, hmm. Chad calls Andy and Eric and says, guess what I saw your sister do? <laughs> at the mall, in the photo booth, with a boy taking pictures of things they weren't supposed to do. What's my motivation? My motivation is to get Becca in trouble. Chad's motivation is to continue the story why? Because now he has power over somebody, Becca. Here's what gossiping does. And, I, and I've got one thing on here, and it's called damaging or damages integrity. But also gossip is this. Gossip is assassination of a person's character. What do I mean by that? When you tell stories, even if they're true about somebody, you're actually attacking who they are and trying to do damage. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A gossip goes around spreading rumors while a trustworthy man tries to keep them. If I genuinely was concerned about Becca being at the mall in the photo booth with a boy taking pictures of things that she wasn't supposed to do, I would do what? Well, first of all, I'd talk to Becca. Why? Because if Becca's old enough to be at the mall with the boy in the photo booth doing things, no, then she's old enough to take responsibility for her actions. So I deal directly with Becca and point out what Becca's doing is wrong. That then removes the whole gossip issue. Why? Because I'm not telling other people, I'm telling Becca. Now, chances are, yes, I would tell Becca's mom. And by the way, mom, it's not true. A wise man, a trustworthy man, does everything they can to keep from harming a person's reputation. How do you think Becca would treat me if I did the first thing versus if I did the second thing? You think she's going, she'd probably be upset with me either way. Here's the better use. Instead of gossiping, the better use is building each other up. Now, how, how do I practice building Becca up by the second scenario? I want to pick on Jesse. A while back, I went to Jesse and said something to her about something. And Jesse's, re- Jesse's reply was one of the most mature replies I'd ever heard. And here's a reply. Robert, if I do something wrong, I would like to know so I can change it. That's probably the most mature words that I've heard from anybody in this youth group. And Jesse just turned 13 last week. Dealing with it right helps build each other up. Why? Because when I went to Jesse, her whole attitude was to change and build. Whereas if I went and gossiped, then instead of building, I was tearing down. Number four, Bad advice. Proverbs 15, 2 says this, A tongue of a wise commands knowledge, but the mouth of a fool gushes folly. Have you guys ever heard bad advice before? How many of you guys ever gave bad advice? Here's what happens with bad advice. It damages your reputation. If Chad came to me and said, Do you think I ought to? 
I don't know, give, me a, give me a situation, Chad. Chad comes to me and says, should I fill in the blank? Should I steal? Chad says, my family is poor. They're dying of hunger. What should I do? And I say, well, Chad, guess what? There's a lot of bread at the store and nobody will ever notice one loaf being gone. And you know what? Nobody would ever miss that package of bologna. And definitely that can of spam. Matter of fact, I don't even think people keep track of spam. So go ahead, go ahead and take those things. Now, guess what? That's what? Bad advice. Now, I know this is kind of an extreme. Not that I'd ever give Chad that counsel. Not that he'd ever ask me for that counsel. But it's extreme, but Chad follows my counsel. And Chad's arrested, thrown into jail. And guess what? He gets his baloney and bread for 10 years. Guess who Chad's mad at? Me. Why? Because I gave him the counsel. So then he comes back at me, and he's mad and upset. So girls, when your girlfriends come to you and say, do, I, do you think I should date Timmy? We don't have a Tim here, right? Okay. <laughs> should I date Timmy? And you go, oh man, he's cute. He's hot. You go for it. And come to find out, Timmy is a complete jerk. Break up with him. Guess, guess, who, guess who your friend's going to blame? But you're also blaming your friend because your friend gave you bad advice. Here's the better use. Instead of risking on giving bad advice, how about just not say anything? Be silent. If you cannot, if you cannot give 100% correct biblical counsel on the situation, then the best thing to do is not give any advice at all. Why? Because it saves them and it saves you and it saves your reputation or what they think about you. Number five, this is definitely not a problem in this youth group. Complaining, never a problem in this youth group. Is that sarcasm? Yes. That was almost on the board of being rude. Complaining. Philippians 2, 14, 15 says this, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless. You know what? Here's what happens. If you choose to take the route of complaining, here's what happens. People view you as a complainer. Here's, here's a little test. Becky, is that true? Yes. <laughs> it's very true. When you make a habit of complaining and about whining, guess what happens to anything you say? People say, well, they're just whining. <laughs> they're just complaining, and they turn you off. Now you say, well, I have a pretty good pity party. <laughs> lots of people show up, and lots of people love to give it, you know, into this party. But the fact is, then you all become labeled as just complainers. And what happens on top of that is when you complain, and that becomes your lifestyle, and that becomes your tongue, it really damages your attitude. And guess what happens? When your attitude's damaged, you can miss out on some really cool stuff. If you show up with a bad attitude, God could come down and bless the socks off of everybody in the room and you missed out. Why? Because your attitude. Had a young man, I won't give any names. He's not in this room. He's not in the youth group. Was talking to me about um, worship services and was talking about how he really hated the worship services. And he thought they were dry and he thought they were boring and got nothing out of it. And I challenged this young man one thing. So why don't you show up expecting to get something out of it? Why don't you show up looking for the positive and saying, God, what do you have for me to hear today? Go in with a good attitude. See what happens. That was about two months ago. This young man last week made the statement, I have gotten so much out of the worship services in the past month. It is tremendous. I have heard so much stuff in the service that I've never heard before. What was the difference? Was the worship services any different? No. 
The difference was his attitude. I'll tell you a really, really quick story here, and then we're going to move on. A gentleman I know is a nationally known pastor, travels a lot, goes to churches. He went to a church service one time in a church. He was visiting, and the service was kind of different. It wasn't kind of different. It was just different. And he sat through the service, and he kind of tolerated the service. And, and he really, really wanted to say something to somebody. So as he was walking out of the service, the pastor catches him at the door and shakes his hand and said, well, how did you like the worship service? And the pastor friend said, well, I like the message. I got a couple things out of it that I can apply to my life, but, and he was really wanting to go on and tell the pastor what he really didn't like about the service. But as soon as he said the word, but the pastor of the church said, well, what do you think God didn't like about the service? And the man to his mittens had to stop and said, well, I don't think there was anything that God didn't like. And the pastor replied to him, but yes, there was something today that God did not like in the service. So why don't you come back tonight and you'll know why God did not like in the service today. So the visiting pastor went to his motel and he came back that night and he sat in the service and, and he was very conscious about what was going on. He was looking, he was studying the service to see if he could find something that God didn't like. But he didn't find anything. And after the service, he caught the pastor and he said, would you tell me what was in the service this morning that God didn't like? And the pastor said, I really, I'm not going to tell you, but what I'm going to do is I want to ask you to go home and pray about it. He said, God will show you this week what he did not like about the worship service. And so the visiting pastor traveled home. And through the whole week, he prayed about what God didn't like in the worship service. And it was about Thursday, he was in a, ca- a cafe drinking a cup of coffee. And as he was drinking his cup of coffee... God spoke to him, and this is why he said, the thing I did not like in the worship service was your attitude. And so that, that visiting pastor calls the pastor of the church and says, you know what? The thing that God did not like in the worship service today was my attitude. There's a question I want you to ask yourself. Anytime you want to complain, anytime you want to say something negative, the question I'm going to ask you to ask is this. What did God not like about it? What did God not like about it? And guess what? You're not God, so your opinion really doesn't count. And I, I think that would really help you in your attitude about things. You say, Robert, I don't like life. Well, what is it about that God doesn't like? You say, well, Robert, I really don't like what you have to say on Wednesday nights. Well, guess what? What is it about it that God doesn't like? Instead of complaining that damages your attitude, here's the better use. Praise. Now, I don't mean telling people things just to tell them something to make them feel better. You know, I'm not looking for you to come up afterwards and say, Robert, life was great. I'm not looking for you to blow false kisses. What I'm looking for is anytime you have the want to complain or you're in a group of people who are complaining about something, why don't you be the positive light and offer praise about something and offer praise about something? I want you to consider something real quick. Who represents God in your community? You do. Okay. Is, is Murdell a church of God? If you represent God in your community and Murdell is a church of God, what happens when you are in the community and you complain about what happens at Murdell? You put down God and then somebody sits them over here. You make people think bad things about Murdell. Okay. Let, let's take it a little step closer. What, what if you're talking to your friends that are not Christian or you're talking around your friends that are not 
Christian and you say something negative about, your, actually you put down Christianity, you, you put down God, but then guess what? When you go to tell your friend about how great Christ is and why they should have Jesus in their life, they all of a sudden associate, well, you just complained about your church who told you about God, so why do I want God in my life? Nobody wants to be part of something that people complain about. Nobody wants to be a part of something that people don't see positively. And, and I've seen it happen in a former church of mine. I, I saw when it, the body was excited in the community talking great about the church, the church grew. When people started complaining about the church, the church shrunk. Why? Because people want to be a part of winning things, things that are positive, not things that are negative. Those are indications of a poor mouth. I got five minutes to talk about four things, so we're going to move it through really quick. So how do we guard, how do we take steps to get a good mouth? Okay, number one, realize that your words reveal your heart. Realize your words reveal your heart. Matthew 12, 34 says this, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you're negative, when you lie, when you gossip, when you complain, when you give bad advice, that's really a reflection of who you are. Do you want people to see you that way? Do you want people to see you as a negative person? Do you want people to see you as a positive person? Number two, ask God to help you think before you speak. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says this, The man of few words and a settled mind is wise. Therefore, even a fool is thought to be wise when he is silent. It pays him to keep his mouth shut. Wow. Proverbs eleven twelve says this, a man with good sense holds his tongue. You know what? You can be quiet and be thought of as very smart, or you can open your mouth and remove all doubt. Number three, value silence. Learn to listen. You guys probably have heard this before, but how many ears do you have? Two. Two. How many tongues do you have? Okay, I want you to think about this. You have two ears and one tongue. Spend twice the amount of time listening and half the amount of time speaking. It's a pretty good, pretty good rule, rule to live by. Why? Because when you listen, you hear things. When you speak, you miss out on things. Number four, get some buddies. Get some buddies to help you or help as you work to tame your tongue. It's called accountability. I have some friends that I've asked that whenever things kind of get negative in speaking, it's okay to say, hey, this is getting negative. Let's move on. They hold me accountable. I hold them accountable. And we've got a lot of things that we could be negative about, but we've just decided, hey, we're not going to do that. We'd rather spend time talking about good stuff than spend time talking about negative stuff. One last thought, and I'm going to let you guys go home real quick. Your words are powerful. They can wound or they can heal. Choose to honor God and others with your words. The question I want to ask you is, do you want to be considered a negative person or a positive person? Do you want to be considered a wise person or a foolish person? Because your words has a lot to do with how people view you.